Welcome to the About Us podcast, where we talk about and with people who have a purpose, a passion, an idea, and even faith. And I'm your host, Maria Magdalena Lotfi. Hello, everyone. The About Us podcast is back. And for the first episode of 2021, our guest is the sweet Karen Ayoub, the creator and host of the Service and Practice podcast. Karen has been very patient with me. So first, I want to thank Karen because I took a long time to edit this uh, episode and to release it. So Karen, thank you so much. I've never met Karen in person, but on social media, on Instagram, we connected and we interviewed each other. As a matter of fact, she interviewed me for her own podcast, which I just mentioned, Service and Practice. uh, And we talk about service and languages and translation. So make sure to check this one out. But in our episode on the About Us podcast, we're talking about a lot of things. Uh, Imposter syndrome, friendships, work-life balance, and faith. And of course, her podcast, again. So make sure to go follow her podcast on Instagram and to check it out and listen to the episodes. Without further ado, here is Karen in her own words. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hey, Maria. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good. Thank you. So uh, thank you for your time. Um, and thank you for, you know, being there. And like, I'm excited for the questions uh, on service and your podcast. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm also very excited to be on this side of the table or the virtual table, <laughs> if you will. Um, and excited to talk about myself and my podcast as well. So actually, that's that. That's the first question. Introduce yourself. Who are you? Where you come from? What do you do? Uh, have you what have you studied? Do you work or not? So I'm from New Jersey. I was actually born in Massachusetts, but I've lived in New Jersey for most of my life. To your question about what I do and what I've studied, so I work in the medical device industry as a manufacturing engineer. I recently started that job in February of 2020, um, and I'm really passionate about industry being in the world of orthopedic implants specifically. And my role as a manufacturing engineer is to focus on the production and quality of medical devices, looking for ways to improve the process and the design of um, you know, these, these medical devices that really have the ability to transform the lives of patients and surgeons. And then I studied biomedical engineering at NJIT or the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Again, being very passionate about this industry and wanting to see ways in which I could help people but also kind of leverage or use the strengths that I have. Specifically, I, I really like math and physics, so I thought that engineering would be a really great way for me to apply them to actually this uh, medical field. I guess I was debating a number of different paths. When I was at NJIT, one of the things that was on my mind a lot was, should I, um, you know, like many other people who start with the biomedical engineering major, should I go into medical school or not? I also like had a period of time where I was contemplating like switching like something completely different. Like I thought about becoming an English major <laughs> and I really got into writing. And I think that's what made me um, want to to do that. I'm grateful that I stayed in, in my major because I think that when I started doing an internship at the company where I currently work, the medical device company, it made me really fall in love with that world. And although I saw a disconnect between what I was learning in my classes in university and, and you know, the real world, I still kind of stuck it out because I knew that I wanted to end up there. I'm grateful that I stuck it with my path. Wait, okay, so you, you enjoy writing, like you- I, I do, I mean, I don't think I've done it as much recently. I was pretty involved um, early on in, when I was in university, like my first two years, I was a writer and photographer, I think also a copy editor, yeah, for Whoa. my uh, university's newspaper. Okay, we share um, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Student newspaper, yeah. Um, I also like did a little bit of writing here and there for like other other projects or I, when I was involved with the Coptic, Coptic Society of Newark. So that was joint organization, student organization between um, Rutgers Newark and NJIT, which was my university. I was pretty involved in the organization and, and got to use um, some of my, I guess, abilities and skills in writing for different endeavors or, or projects that the Coptic Society is doing. And what kind of photography? I did a lot of portrait photography, actually, like for the newspaper. I think I had to do like uh, headshots for like the staff. So like I did that. That was pretty fun because I think sometimes when it's someone that you don't know very well, it's like a little awkward and you're taking these like photos, especially, you know, I have like this like nice fancy camera and I'm on the other side and they're like, who is this girl? <laughs> Why is she taking my photo? <laughs> right. But I think there were a few instances where like, you know, maybe I did know the person a little bit, or maybe I got to know them because it was a little bit of, of a longer photo shoot if it was like they were actually being featured in an article versus just like a staff headshot, right? And it allowed me to get to know the person. And it, and it was like pretty fun actually doing these photo shoots. Like there might be like some some pictures that come out like a little silly looking, right? But we, we bonded over that, even if we didn't really connect on any other levels, it was just this shared experience. 
I think when you do a photo shoot, no matter what side of the camera you're on, you're there's like this vulnerability that comes out. You get to like see the person up close and like who they really are. And if you're the photographer, you're also like being very um mindful to the, who that person is, but also very like considerate as well of like, are they comfortable with me being this close or showing this part of them? Great. Okay, cool. I, I wasn't expecting yeah. to like talk about photography and writing and all. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah um, no, I mean, I, I, I'm really inspired by, by you and, and your photography and your blog writing and I think it's awesome that you you know you continue to do that thank you so much well you see um I'm used to always be you know like I don't know surrounded by artistic people or writers or you know and then I was excited to interview you and you know in the science field I'm really not not that knowledgeable right so then to see that you also have like artistic skills and and you have interests like you, you like them it's great like both things can be mixed a bit together or or you can you can love both not just be one person right yeah yeah for sure I think that um, sometimes for me I have to put in more effort to allow that creative side of me to come out to exist and to thrive I need to nourish it by you know engaging in activities or, or conversations that are related to the creative side of me I think there's a lot more to to life and a lot more that I've you know, learned about myself through these creative pursuits. Like you mentioned before, you know, the fact that I started a podcast, that was something that was very different and out of the box for me. But I'm really glad that I, I was able to, you know, by the grace of God to do that and to really push myself. Yeah. And I feel like even in what you study and what you're working in, like you you do use your your creativity, but in a maybe different way, you know, than yeah. writing or Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um it is creativity in a different way. It's sometimes looking for solutions to problems where in the manufacturing world, sometimes there's this perception of like, we've always done it this way. Like, why should we change? You know, and sometimes we're forced to make a change because something goes wrong with the way it's always been done. Or maybe we're not forced to, but there's a better way. And it's like, how can we do this while still abiding by the rules, the regulations, the whole, all the quality principles? Or how can we do this without incurring like a high cost or, you know, putting in all this effort for a project that may not have high returns? So it's like definitely thinking about a little bit outside the box like that. And I think another piece is also just getting to talk to people. Sometimes I have to get creative in how I talk to people because there are a lot of different personalities that I deal with. How do you approach these conversations? Because not everyone's going to be the same because you know they may come from different backgrounds or they're at different le levels on the corporate ladder. And how do you approach those conversations with an open mind and with flexibility? And going back to what I said about, you know, the headshots, like this vulnerability that okay, you're having a conversation with a person and like, you know, it's not just about getting the job done. This is another person, you know, on the other side of the table or if you're, you know, working remotely, like on the other side of this of their screen, how can you reach out to them and have a meaningful connection with them that at the same time will help you succeed in your job and you know help the business succeed overall it's a very like interesting way to think about it. I don't think I've ever described the communication piece of what I do and like that's a way of being creative but it really is sometimes that like I guess emotional intelligence piece it really stretches my brain in the same way that I feel like I'm stretching my brain if I'm like sitting down to like write something because it's like if I'm writing an email right it's like how does this email gonna sound and it's the same way it's like if I'm writing a blog post like how is that gonna sound you know no yeah true and like it just shows the importance of communication and like how it could like bring people together or separate them that's a really great insight during your studies or at work like what were our the challenges encountered it was pretty recently that I graduated December of 2019 so not not too long ago but I still remember some of these aspects and some of them I have to dig like a little deeper into the memories I think one thing was that going to NJIT I was surrounded by a lot of Coptic Orthodox youth, which I was not used to. It wasn't a bad thing, but it was just very different because I, I would think of my life prior, you know, when I was in, in middle school and high school, right? I went to a school where there were not many other Egyptians around me. So I would always think of my life as like kind of compartmentalized. Like I see like Coptic people at church, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then the rest of the week, I see just, you know, my um, other friends that weren't Coptic Orthodox. When I went to NJIT, it was just like, I was kind of thrust into this world where it was just like I saw Coptic people every single day, seven days a week, 24 seven, you know, when I was there pulling some late nights as well. And it was just something to get used to because I guess the way that like my, my profile of friends, if you will, right, like it slowly became more Copts. And I, I'm very grateful for the friendships. You know, I have some people that I went in not knowing and then now we're like best friends and we, you know, we're very, very close. But it was just this adapting to 
the fact that like, okay, what I do, you know, I, I'm an Orthodox Christian and I'm called to live this life of holiness and of following Christ and, and being a light to others. And I think I'm kept even more accountable by the fact that I'm around other Coptic Orthodox Christians. One other challenge, um, you know, this was a little bit more specific to my major, and maybe this could have been the case for other majors as well, but for biomedical engineering, I didn't like a lot of the classes that I had, you know, to the point where, as I mentioned before, was considering changing my major or changing my focus. The professors I had often claimed that, you know, in the real world, you're going to do X, Y, Z. And this is why you need to learn the content that I'm teaching you. You need to go along with the style that I'm teaching with. And it was sometimes frustrating for me because I did an internship pretty early on. So I in the, su- the summer between my sophomore and my junior year at the medical device company where I now work full time. And I was like, this is what the real world is like. So my professors have been wrong all along. And then going back to the following semester and then seeing this like clash almost between what the professors who had been in industry 20 years prior were saying and then like what I had just experienced a few months ago in the summer. And I think it was tough because I was at that point just like really just ready to get out. And I definitely pushed myself to, to finish a little early. Which, you know, if going back, would I do that again? I'm not really sure. Um, I'm definitely grateful to be where I am now. But I think because of that that clash, I was just, I was so ready to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then also coming back from my summer internship, you know, I, I wanted to bring back things that I learned in the real world to school, to, you know, my group projects. And I think it was hard because the people that around me, like my fellow students in my major, a lot of them started to treat me differently after like I came back that that first summer, because, you know, maybe they were, unfortunately, maybe they, they wanted to get a position at a similar company, but they weren't able to, so they were jealous. So they kind of snubbed me, or they tried to use me to get into that company and like, you know, be like, I know Karen. And, you know, I, I wasn't in a position to really help them. And it was tough to, you know, have people treat me differently or people that I thought were my friends. Or people that I thought I could trust. And then, you know, they would kind of, you know, stab me in the back for lack of better terms, because of however they felt. So that that was another challenge as well. The part where you were saying like, when you were, uh, I don't know, like, your life felt like compared to Melanthized. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, like how like, every Friday, Saturday and Sunday, yeah, like it was church, church people, and then, you know, it was mm-hmm. different. And then all of a sudden, university, um, you saw a lot of Coptic people and all that. And it, the same thing happened to me. Like, I, I really relate to that part. But I also wondered, do you feel like the non-Coptic people or, or non-Christian people, it, it, like, it doesn't matter if you shared your faith or not, but the fact that they knew, let's say, that you're a believer and all that, do you, do you feel like you were taken less seriously or though like you're very educated, knowledgeable and, and intelligent, right? But like you could be like seen as not really credible. Actually, I don't think I encountered that. I think that in university, you know, I, I did have friends with other other faith backgrounds or even, you know, they didn't believe in anything. They, they you know, proclaimed that they were atheists. And I didn't see anyone as, you know, treating me less or or doubting my credibility because of that. People were quite either respectful or even just neutral. Yeah. Um, and then I think now that I'm, you know, working in the, you know, quote unquote, real world, I think people are definitely very respectful. And, you know, sometimes they have even admiration, even if they don't believe the same things I do. But, you know, they understand, you know, for me, my faith is important in terms of the values that I have, you know, how I show up to work, right? Like, what am I going to bring to the table? Yeah, it's going to, you know, I'm passionate about what I do, but I'm also honest in what I do. And another thing is, you know, just people recognize, like, I have the commitment to, you know, on Sunday, like, I'm going to go to church. And if someone asks me to do something for work on Sunday, it's going to be very hard for me to say yes to that, because that's a clear priority in my life. And the feedback I've gotten is that, you know, people are respectful of that. And I really appreciate it, even though, um, you know, they might have different beliefs. How did you deal with the backstabbing or <clears throat> the people like treating you differently, especially as a Christian? This has been a question for me personally. Um, like, how do I react and how should I be? And or is it okay to feel hurt? But then reminding myself like, okay, no, no, it's not them. It's, it's you know, things like that, right? No, that's a tough question. Because I think like if I could change how I acted or reacted, I would. Just thinking back, like I think in the moment I was like surprised when things like that happened. 
I was surprised and hurt and kind of felt betrayed. And I was, I think, just trying to process what was going on, but at the same time, like, also do what I could just, you know, keep my grades uh, somewhat surviving. So I kind of delayed, like, the, you know, mental and emotional processing of what happened. And, you know, after the fact, took some time to come to a point of peace and of closure. And, you know, I still think back to some of those individuals, right? Maybe what they did was you know, they didn't have the intention to hurt me or bring me down, really, you know, th there's a lot of other things that could have been going on. So I try to be mindful of that. I think looking back, I do appreciate some of those experiences, you know, and that there's lessons learned, because, you know, maybe also the way that I was carrying myself could have been a little bit, you know, prideful, um, accidentally, or without me realizing. And I think it's made me very conscious of, you know, how am I going to present myself? How am I going to talk about, you know, my accomplishments? And I think there's this balance of being truthful about what you've accomplished or what you've done and your abilities, but then also not coming across as arrogant. And I think that was something that I, I wish I knew more about at the time, because maybe things would have gone differently when I was in university. But, you know, live and learn. Uh, we never know until we know, right? <laughs> we can, exactly. We don't know better. Yep. And, and I'm sure there's things that I'm, you know, experiencing right now that this time next year or, you know, maybe five years from now, I'll look back and I'll think, oh, I could have done this differently. But I also... You know, will have learned so much. And I think learning is definitely a big part of, of my life and of who I am. So how is working as a young uh, woman, like, you know, in that field? Yeah, I mean, it's that's a great question. Because, you know, I think recently, there's been a lot of attention to the idea of women in STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. That's not something that I'm very passionate about. Actually, in university, I was involved in, you know, a, a group that was focused on that and tried to recruit and encourage, um, you know, young women like myself to pursue an education in those STEM fields, where there's sometimes this underrepresentation, or, you know, even if there's a lot of girls that would start out in STEM majors, they would change majors, or they would even go into a STEM career, then like later on change their career. Um, I was actually just reading a book a couple months ago called Beating the Odds, Winning Strategies of Women in STEM. And I really enjoyed it because the authors, they're both women, they kind of traced stories and journeys of women at mostly leadership levels, but also some that were like younger, um, you know, talking to actually like young girls about their experiences with STEM, whether it was from their upbringing, or was it, you know, later on in their careers. And it's helped me kind of reframe a lot of what I go through on a daily basis. There's definitely pros and cons to being a young woman and in a manufacturing field. I think that one of the pros is that, you know, thank God I'm on a very diverse team. So, you know, it's it's not like I'm the only girl or one of two, two girls or women. It's pretty split. And my direct supervisor is very big on diversity and equal opportunities. There's a lot of other like female rock stars all around me, even on my team, but on other teams that I can look up to and I can see like, wow, this is where they've gotten, you know, after five years, seven years, so on. I also have a mentor at work uh, who is female. She's uh, an associate manager. So it's been really great because you know I've, I've gotten a lot of great advice from her. I feel like there's only so much you can see like on social media or, or reading articles on like in these mm -hmm. fields and stuff. Like, and there's always this one perception. We never know like the little stories, right, as well um, and the details. Yeah, so. I think though on the flip side, like, you know, I have to talk about the cons or some of the challenges I encounter, right? Just so I'm painting an accurate picture. I think that being in manufacturing can be tricky sometimes because in the manufacturing plant where I work, you know, the actual like machining and finishing processes, all of those mostly are done by individuals who are older males. So I'll feel a little self-conscious sometimes walking around. It's made me think about, you know, how am I presenting myself? What am I wearing to work? Those kinds of things, which, you know, I should be thinking about anyway, but I think it's a little bit heightened because I just want to be mindful of the individuals I'm around and, you know, respectful to them. And also so that they can respect me as well. I think another thing also is being like pretty early on into my career and being a female, sometimes I feel that I have to prove myself. And sometimes it's it's easy to feel like I'm doing a good job when I have this, you know, people around me telling me you're doing a great job, Karen, or having this external validation. But I have to always remind myself that it's not about what other people say because they don't see sometimes, you know, everything that I'm doing and rather like my abilities. Yes, they come from what I've done, but they also come from who I am as a person, rather than, you know, what other people might say or might, you know, give praise to me. I think something else too, that's, you know, important to talk about is this idea of imposter syndrome. So like, I didn't even know that, like, what that concept was, or what that term meant until like a couple of years ago. Um, and like, when I learned about it, I was like, maybe I'm experiencing this too. And I think it hit me really hard. And like, you know, maybe a few months into my job where I was like, wow, like, I, I'm, at this company, you know, this is my dream company. And I'm working alongside these very intelligent, very qualified people. 
and sometimes I feel like I don't measure up. It can be scary sometimes because it's just like, do I really belong here? Like maybe this was a mistake. Like maybe I'm not supposed to be in this role. I think what's helped me battle that or kind of shut that voice down in my mind is again, remembering that my worth and my abilities and my talents, they're all God given, um, you know, and, and it's a matter of like recognizing my identity in Christ and also my abilities, you know, that, that where I've actually worked hard as opposed to, you know, listening to this voice of like, you don't belong. So how has been work during COVID? Okay. And like you in general, how have you been? How is the work-life balance? And have you adjusted during our current times? And is it hard to maintain like a spiritual life uh, in these times? And if you have tips, share. How have I been during COVID? And how, how has my work-life balance been? I think I started about a month before there was, you know, the big lockdown, at least in, in my area, New Jersey. And because of that, like, I, I was still pretty new in, you know, that first month, and I was still kind of training and learning, and I didn't have too much responsibilities. My role, like, it really took off and accelerated after we moved completely remote. I think I had to figure out work-life balance a little bit because, like I talked about before, this idea of compartmentalizing, it can either be, you know, very positive or very negative. And in terms of my work, compartmentalizing became very important for me to be successful at my job and also to take care of my own mental health. I had to learn like, okay, just because I'm working from home and the computer is open all the time doesn't mean that I should be working all the time. I think that in the beginning, I thought that like, maybe like, let me try to work late. And if I'm putting in more hours, I'm working more and I'm proving myself, that isn't the case all the time, just, you know, about the amount of time you put in. Putting in more time doesn't necessarily make you a better employee or better performing, you know, and I had to learn how to be strict with myself to be like, no, no, my day ends at this time when I'm home and that I will turn my attention to other things that are not work. And, you know, even the fact that, you know, I, I'm very blessed that I have, you know, where I live, I have like a space where I work that's not my room so that when I'm done with work, I can go to my room and do things that are not work. And, you know, sometimes I would have to take like small actions, like let me turn my email notifications off at 530. As time progressed, I think I've grown. I still have a lot of, you know, room to grow. I'm not perfect at this, at this, you know, work-life balance. I think COVID has made it very interesting because for myself, now that, you know, things have gotten like slightly better, I'm actually kind of in a hybrid setup right now. So I'm going to the office, to the manufacturing plant, two to three days a week, and then working from home the other two two to three days. So I think that I'm kind of existing in these two different realities because the days I'm working from home, I'm just like, okay, I remember what this feels like to be home all the time. And then when I go into the plant, I'm like, oh, wow, this, you know, this is, you know, being in person and getting to have meetings in person instead of over Teams or, or over Zoom. So it's just like kind of being able to toggle between both worlds that I have to do. I think in COVID times, it's important, not just competence, not just like being good at your job, but adaptability is so important and becoming even more important, whether you're at the individual contributor level or at a leadership level. You mentioned proving yourself. The one thing I learned really, because uh, I felt the same too. I felt like I had to work harder and all that. And I think the one thing I learned was that if you're who you are, but like who you are, like as long as you're honest and like, I don't know, you have all these boundaries, values and all that, it's gonna pay off in the end. And you're gonna see that you are appreciated or you are on the right path and you don't need to change really who you are. I think also it's about, you know, once I set those boundaries or make those decisions to be confident in them. And to not let just anything like kind of shake them, right? Like, oh, just because an email is going to come at night, you know, does that mean like I need to be a slave to my email or a slave to my phone? No, like, you know, I, I need to kind of set those expectations for myself and then at times be okay to communicate the expectations to others. I think another thing that, you know, about COVID that has changed for me at least is to be a little bit more vulnerable and open with people. And, you know, I think at, in the workplace, of course, with discretion, but, you know, with the people that I, I really can trust is like this understanding that it's okay to admit that you're not okay or that you're struggling sometimes. It's okay to ask for help. And I tend to be the person who is like, you know, I'll say like, I got this, everything's under control. And people have said, Karen, like you seem like you have everything under control or you're keeping your cool. And like on the inside, it's like the complete opposite. Right. Because I, I'm trying to kind of keep that into, you know, maybe again to like prove myself or to show like this certain level of ability. Whereas, you know, maybe I'm not being true to myself and I'm not being honest with the people that I work with that care about me. So, again, with discretion, but, you know, it's okay to open up to people and to be vulnerable because there's a lot of, you know, there's risk when you open up and you trust someone, but there's a lot of reward, you know, if 
hopefully all, all goes well because then the other people, the other person can be very open with you and give you advice and you can kind of help each other. And I think that it's been so interesting because, you know, I work in, you know, a regular company, it's secular, like not affiliated with any type of religion, but I see a lot of these principles that, you know, we learn in, in the Orthodox faith about looking out for one another. Some of the relationships I have, again, with people who may not have the same beliefs or values as me, but it's still a very beautiful relationship. And I think you had a couple other questions, right, about the spiritual life during yes. COVID and like yes. any tips I had. I'm pretty blessed that my parish continued um, to have, well, actually, the, we, we stopped having liturgy, um, you know, for a, a couple months. But, you know, after that, it resumed. So I'm blessed that I got to continue attending. And also, sun, we had Sunday school and some of the other services initially on Zoom. And now we're kind of doing a mix of like some services on Zoom and some in person, just depending on like the timing and, and things like that. So I'm blessed in that sense, because I think it's really hard to stay connected and to stay engaged with our faith sometimes when we are at home, you know, especially during the peak of the lockdown when we weren't able to go to church. It's important to be connected to the source and this, you know, idea that the, the gathering of the believers is really, really important to not just the success of the church, but it's, you know, to our own spiritualized on the individual level. When we were completely at home, I had to really like push myself, you know, to stay connected to the source. You know, one tip I would say is to fill your life with spiritual activities, fill your time, whether it's, you know, maybe you do a Bible study with your family members, or I saw some other people doing Bible studies like over Zoom with their friends. For me, I spent a lot more time meditating or just being introspective because when the world shut down, it was like this, I had all this time on my hands and a lot more silence than I was used to. And when I say silence, it's not just about like the absence of noise, but it's just like, okay, like I'm at home, I'm in my room, you know, I can only look at my screen, you know, for so many hours of the day before I, I get eye strain, right? And I'm like, wow, I'm like left alone here with my thoughts and just kind of stripped of everything standing before God and grab that opportunity because maybe you won't have that again when, you know, things get very busy and, you know, there's like the noise of life. The last thing I'll say is that um, I definitely <laughs> was doing a lot more reading when COVID came, shut everything down definitely like bought more books, like shout out to like Amazon Prime, because uh, <laughs> um, no, that, that's been great. Um, you know, and I definitely also, you know, recommend buying from other other sources, not just Amazon. <laughs> no, of course, um, you know, definitely support the small businesses. But yeah, no, I de definitely have like read more. Do you mind sharing uh, some of the books you read? Yeah, so a couple of recommendations, um, you know, from, from the list of books that I've gotten through um, in 2020. One of them is called Rest why you get more done when you work less. This is a nonfiction book just about the importance of rest and like that separation from work. I think one thing that rest talked about a lot was having a creative pursuit or having, you know, things that you do outside of work, but you get to still apply things that maybe some of the skills or some of the discipline that you have in work. So if you have like a, a project or a side hustle, they gave examples, right? For me, like that really was um, kind of the push I needed to, to work on to start and, and to continue working on the podcast that I have a service in practice. So um, that book was really helpful. And the second book I recommend is A Silent Patriarch by um, Father Daniel Fanus. And I really enjoyed that book because, you know, it's, it's about the life of um, His Holiness Pope Perlis VI, May God Repose His Soul. There's so many stories and things like about his life that I just didn't know and a lot of applications for service. And, you know, I've talked about that book and guests have talked about that book on the podcast Servants in Practice because I think it's been transformational for so many people. So, you know, I have to recommend it. <laughs> I think you're the second person uh, also on the podcast to mention that book. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so when we um, were discussing together uh, to, like, uh, set up a meeting for this podcast, podcast sorry, um, you mentioned that you're a daughter of a priest. How is that? And... Are there misconceptions in our community, for example, uh, regarding that? And have you struggled? Did you feel like there were expectations that you needed to meet and you couldn't meet them? Or or you, like you, whatever, right? And um, and is it now, like, that you're older? Was Is it your, how you are and all that? Like, is it different than what you were, how you thought, you know, of all this um, when you were younger? Yeah, that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, choose whatever you want. Whatever. No, no, I, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, I'm I'm happy to speak um to speak openly about my experiences and you know, like I said before, I think vulnerability is, is so important. So you know, I'm I'm happy to share. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of interesting aspects to being um you know the the daughter or, or the son of a priest. 
um, in the Coptic Orthodox Church. I think that um, there's a lot of, you know, blessings, a lot, a lot of pros to it. You know, I've gotten to meet so many people, um, you know, through church-based events or, or things that, you know, my father was attending. You know, I, I got to have a really solid Christian education as a child and, you know, a lot of access to resources. I think it's definitely contributed to, you know, who I am as a person today, as an adult. There were definitely some struggles, right? I sometimes felt like, oh, I, I can't do this because uh, people are going to say this about me, um, you know, just kind of being a little bit more in the public eye and worrying like what will people think or what will people say, um, which, you know, I, I definitely identify that that's, a, that's the case for like a lot of people. But I think it was a little bit heightened because, you know, I had this like label, you know, even to the point where sometimes I'd go to like a new place new setting right and like I came with someone they're like oh like you know you know Karen she's the bonus daughter or, like this like me Karen like you know she's uh you know and so and so's daughter and I'm like well you can also just introduce me for who I am like on my own I think it's important that people like know get to know me as a person before like you know putting this label and like like that's it you know like <laughs> I think another struggle is when I was a kid, you know, growing up, I felt like that I was, you know, different or would stand out sometimes for that reason, but I always wanted to fit in. And as compared to now, like you were asking, I'm now no longer so concerned with this idea of like fitting in or being like everyone else. And I'm at peace with knowing that, you know, maybe, you know, I'm different for one reason or another, whether it's, you know, because of my family or my upbringing or right, but like, that's okay, because it's really about like, how can my experiences, how, how can I use things from my experiences to to help others or to guide others, you know, if they, they come to me with questions. And in the same breath, how can I learn from the different experiences and different upbringing of other people? Thank you for sharing. <laughs> no, I'm happy to. I think that like, as I mentioned, with COVID and, and, you know, just I think with as part of growing up, it's I've become like a lot more reflective on, um, you know, my experiences, whether it was from childhood, or even, you know, from a few years ago, I think it's really important to have that self reflection definitely in a prayerful sense and not never in like a ruminating or like a woe is me type of of method because it can be really easy to kind of get stuck in this cycle of like oh this happened in the past or I could have done this differently right like you can identify all these things positive or negative but always seeing it in the light of, of prayer and of you know God has this perfect plan for me and there's things that happen outside of my control that maybe I didn't understand but you know everything works together for good to those who love God. Let's take a quick break. Go right now. Follow Service and Practice on Instagram. Just type Service and Practice. You'll find the account. And there's also a link in, in the bio on Instagram. There's a link for uh, the podcast itself. So for you to listen to the episodes, it's available on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and also Google Podcasts. So check this out. Go right now. Do that. And we'll come back in just a sec. Thank you. Now, now that's the, the question. And I think like, that's what I wanted to get to from the beginning. Your podcast, it's called Service and Practice, right? Yep. How did you come up with the idea of making a podcast specifically on service? And why service? Yeah, well, thank you for bringing up the podcast and, you know, giving us the shout out. Um, really, really grateful. So I began the podcast Service and Practice in July 2020. I started planning a couple months prior, but that's when I launched it. I definitely wanted to do something creative during the lockdown with COVID. You know, I, I was talking with someone like before this, this idea of like consuming versus creating, right? Where it's so easy to like just take in stuff that you're looking at, whether it's on social media or, you know, even if you're reading, right? You're like taking in things, but it's like, okay, what can you put out to the world? What can you give back to the world? I know there's tons of voices out there, both, you know, religious and non, but I still feel, felt like there was room for, myself to have a voice the specific need that I wanted to fill was about service education on the practical elements of service again within the context of the Coptic Orthodox Church but also like the, the community like you know the greater community around me these aspects that you can't really learn in a classroom so like from my experience I began serving in kind of a formal capacity after I completed a two-year preparatory servants program at my church and then it, it was a program that was very much focused on like education, on like learning like the foundations of our belief, of our theology. But there was this practical aspect that wasn't always there about, you know, like, what do you do in this situation? Right. And I know that you can't have a recipe or a cookie cutter solution for every type of challenge you're going to find in service. But I wanted to at least, you know, try to tackle the issues, even if just on a very small level. I also wanted to create the podcast to talk about non-traditional concepts within service, whether it's, you know, thinking outside of the box of like, how can I actually 
be a servant and live that life where it's not just like a switch where it's like, you know, Sunday or Saturday, I go and I teach or I do this. And then like, you know, for the rest of the week, I'm, I'm, you know, just my own individual. Right. And then also this idea of like, there's other services besides Sunday school. I think that's one that we kind of default to in the Coptic Orthodox church, but there's really like so much more than meets the eye. Yeah. And not just at church or with kids, right? Uh, also, uh, like helping homeless, uh, homeless people, or yeah, for sure. Um, I, like it's for me. I had the opposite uh, as an experience. So uh, I started service before doing pre-servant, and I, like I, I listened to your podcast. Like the first one actually is about pre-servants, I think. Um, and it, and I'm, and I remember I listened to it after we call it discipleship but after doing uh pre-servant and um mm-hmm. i remember thinking because uh, it took me time to finish uh my program uh because i was moving from one city to another and all these things and i was like so annoyed that i had to finish you know and i was like i already served before right <laughs> like w- and and so your your episode came at the right moment um <laughs> i wanted to know why like the importance of it or do we really need that right yeah um And I think, like you said, there's a lot, like if you just serve, you're, it's going to be a bit hard and it's just going to be pr- the practical side. And then when you, you also follow the program, you're going to know more about your faith. And sometimes like you're not going to know it anywhere else or you don't know where to start or what book to read. And then if children, ch- uh, for example, um, they ask a lot of questions. What are you going to, how are you going to respond to them? How, what are you going to say if you don't know? There's like a stress, but then it, it reminds you that like service is really crucial and not to be taken lightly for the obvious reasons that we just stated. But also in service, you find a lot of things, community, you know, fellowship. Yeah, we all have a same common goal. And I think like that's the beauty of it. If you participate in pre-servants, like with your other pre-servants, like, you know, colleagues, if we can put it this way, then we understand each other and we can go to each other for help or, you know. You're like hitting the nail right on the head with, uh, you know, some of the discussions that I had with the the guests in the first episode of service and practice I'm wondering with your um you know pre-servants program like I guess what was like your biggest takeaway or your favorite part of it the fact that like I wasn't alone and that we we were all like you know praying together learning at the same time the the same things like that there was I really appreciated that fellowship part that there's so much that we don't know actually like Yeah, we can go with our parents to church, you know, on Sundays, like attend liturgy and all that. But then there's all the little in-betweens and the details about not just the Bible and like the theological part of it, right? But also our traditions, like why do we do this? Like you're so used to doing these things and participating in many traditions, but not knowing why. And sometimes we ask and sometimes we don't know. And then we just move on with our lives. But then you realize like, oh my God, like, oh, I didn't know about this. Like, And it changes you. Next time when I do this, I'm not going to do it the same way. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to grasp it. Yeah, that that's beautiful. I definitely can relate to that or, or reson- it resonates with me. You know, what you said about understanding like the why, like why we do things, because You know, it, it may take a little extra effort to, you know, to do the reading or to somehow kind of learn that information. But then like when you do the way that you worship or the way that you serve, the way that you live your life ha- is completely changed. Yeah, no, no, totally. After I, I, I listened to your episode, I felt more at peace, actually. And I was like, okay, you oh, know what? So like, I, like, I, I understood that it was a blessing, uh, actually. I'm really happy to hear that. It warms my heart. <laughs> <laughs> But what is your favorite episode, like, that you did on your podcast? Um, uh, the one that, like, I don't know, taught you a lot? or So, the, you know, the, there were a lot, I think, uh, of great episodes. So I've done quite a few, you know, and I, I also enjoy talking to all the guests. But I think the topic that taught me a lot was um, episode number three, and it's called I Just Don't Have Time. And it was this concept of serving when it's not convenient and living a life of sacrifice. Because in, um, at its core, like, service is about sacrifice. You know, you look to Christ, who is the pinnacle of service, and, you know, that his entire life, his entire ministry was all sacrifice. And I think that's why, you know, it it was really important to me because I have to constantly challenge myself, like, you know, in my service, like, am I actually sacrificing or am I just doing what's comfortable and cozy for me? Have that check-in with yourself on a frequent basis because, you know, maybe you start something new and you have this like passion and the zeal or, you know, you feel like you're being challenged, but then it gets a little easier because you get better at it. Or maybe it doesn't get easier, but you just begin to get complacent 
And then like that zeal is gone and that, um, you know, sacrificial mindset is gone. So it's just, you have to keep checking in with yourself. And the guest who I had on that episode, her name is Sherry. She talked a little bit about that, that self-reflection. And one other important lesson from that episode was that service doesn't have to be at odds with your career or your education. It's not like you have to have one or the other, right? And that's a misconception that I think people I that people may have had. And I think I've even had that misconception before. Service is not just about, okay, I'm going to go teach Sunday school. Or I'm going to go teach a hymns class. But it's also about like where you are in your work or in your school or whatever situation in your life, like how can your life be a living sacrifice to the people around you? Because in that sense, like you're still continuing, you're still being faithful in your job or in your school, but you're you're also doing service on top of that. Yeah, I mean, Sherry, you know, in episode three of Service and Practice says it better than I do. So, you know, feel free to check it out. <laughs> so what's your favorite type of service? My favorite kind of service is teaching people and not in the context of Sunday school, but more in the sense of showing them how to do something. So I've done a service before of tutoring where, um, you know, it was maybe a little bit more academic um, in in the context of, you know, school or even in church, like tutoring academic subjects to younger children, because I'm empowering them that, you know, they will be able to achieve and they will be able to, you know, do better in a subject that maybe they were struggling with it before. And a lot of times, like when you're tutoring someone, it's not just about like, can they actually do a math problem or can they understand the material? But it's also just about their confidence. Because a lot of times I tutored mostly children, so I can only speak about children and not adults, but children may not be as confident for, you know, whatever reasons. Um, and they just need someone to kind of walk with them through their struggles and, and remind them like, you can do this or you know how to do this with patience. And I think tutoring taught me a lot about patience because I'm just like, oh man, like why won't they get it already, right? This seems so simple to me, but I have to remember that, you know, not everyone is good at math like I am or, you know, things like that. But I think in the end, it was very fulfilling because I was enabling someone to do something that maybe they couldn't do before Maybe they thought they couldn't do before, but by the end of it, they were actually able to. Are you scared sometimes to not be like, not yourself, but like not a good uh, like role model? Or like, do you have this in your mind sometimes? Like, I have to give a good example. Like, like you know, are yeah. you self-conscious about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think it became pretty real for me when a few months ago, someone who is in high school, um, you know, at, at my church, in my church's pre-servants program approached me and asked me to be a mentor servant to her. I was mind blown, glory to God, right? Because, you know, it. I, I hope that, you know, God will work in, in my life and the life of this individual, you know, and, and that we can have a very um, fruitful relationship, right? But I think that like really was a reality shock for me because it was like, you know, it's not just like, okay, I'm, I'm a teacher in Sunday school or this or that, right? But someone is seeking out an individual relationship with me. I'm so grateful for the, the servant that was a mentor to me. I began getting close to my mentor servant when I was in maybe like the fifth or sixth grade and I've, I continue to now as a 22 year old. Um, so I, I think about that relationship and, you know, it's sometimes I feel like, wow, like I have to like live up to it and not just live up to a person, but it's, it's, you know, the relationship that Christ had with his disciples that, you know, discipleship, like, you know, how can I emulate that even on a smaller scale for, you know, again, this individual in high school who's approached me. For me, it's like a relieving answer because like that's something on my mind as, uh, as well. I have like non-Coptic people or like uh, non-Orthodox Christians, for example, like listen to your podcast. And if so, like, and even in general, like from Coptic people and all that, like what is the feedback? Yeah, no, I mean, I think among the Coptic Orthodox you know, members of the audience, there were people who are very happy, again, by the grace of God to hear about this subject. I definitely got like feedback in terms of like ideas for people to interview, for topics to explore. I also got some constructive criticism too, which like, you know, I'm okay with because like, you know, it's how can I improve as a creative, whether it's on the technical side or if it's more of like the content things that people just wanted to see differently. And I'm, you know, taking all that into consideration when I plan out future episodes. But thank God again for just people being receptive overall and, you know, pe- people sharing it. And, you know, when sometimes people would share like an episode, I was like, wow, like I'm so touched and so like overwhelmed in like a positive way that, you know, it had an impact on someone's life and to the fact that they wanted to share it with other people, um, you know, even publicly. And, you know, that's kind of the, the goal is, you know, to, to share and to reach as many people as possible. However, you know, my, my concern is not primarily the numbers, but it's it's also just about like, I'm doing this as a service. I'm not looking to get anything out of it, right? It, it's more of like, what can I provide? Or what wisdom can I, you know, channel from the guests that I interview to other people? And to your question about, you know, also people that are outside 
of the Orthodox Church. You know, I, I have had listeners that whether it's, you know, my other friends or coworkers, people who have listened because they know they started a podcast and, and that it's important to me and they listen to it and they actually do share feedback that they liked it or, you know, something struck a chord with them, even if, again, they don't believe in the same things that I believe in. It's really like nice and also very touching to know when like other people will, you know, listen to it, even if they can't necessarily identify with some of the more specific aspects of service in the Orthodox Church. Well, that's great to hear because um, the reason why I was asking this question is sometimes we fear doing um, these things, right? And and uh, we want to, we don't want to lose friends or, you know, I don't know, like, um, and yeah. it's good to see that actually people are more uh, open-minded than we think, or, you know, they're, they want to learn, and even if uh, they mm-hmm. don't necessarily follow the fa- same thing. So, um, yeah, that that's really positive. Like, I like that. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, Christ says it so beautifully, let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And, you know, this is just one way, I think, in which, you know, my light as an Orthodox Christian can shine to the world. Again, there's many voices, many positive voices, many not-so-positive voices, but you know, if I can make a little bit of a difference through my voice, then, you know, th- thank God. How do you see yourself in five years? I see myself continuing to work in the medical device field. I think that I would like to eventually be um, a supervisor or manager. I, like I said, I think the idea of like mentoring or developing a person or teaching a person is really big for me. And I think that's something that I can grow into. I'm also thinking about, you know, possibly going back for my master's. I'm not not sure yet. And I think like, it's okay that I have to tell myself, like, it's okay not to know exactly how things are going to go in the next five years. And, you know, I'm not going to have this like um, checklist or all these milestones that I have to hit by a certain time. Right. But I think getting a higher education is just, is one thing that some people have given me advice on. And, you know, it's something I'm considering. Anything is possible, I think. Um, and yeah whatever wherever god uh, will lead you like i i wish you the best of luck um oh thanks maria <laughs> no of course <laughs> any message you'd like to uh, share with you know aspiring servants or aspiring um engineers or both um yeah i would say like definitely number one recognize our identity in christ because you know this is going to spill over into all aspects of our life whether it's work or service and recognizing that identity is helpful so that you don't begin to doubt yourself you don't have those that imposter syndrome or that voice inside of you telling you you can't do this like if that voice comes like shut that out i think the other big piece of advice and this is something that you know i'm not an expert to speak on but it's i speak about it now because it's something that i'm going through on like a daily basis is my relationship with uncertainty. One thing that COVID has shown us is that like uncertainty is just like we had plans and then they went out the window. I had to learn how to be okay with that and be okay with the fact that like even if I make plans for like a week from now, like that that could change. Right. And like I think that COVID kind of shook me and, and shook my my beliefs on like, okay, how do I feel about uncertainty? And you know, am I really willing to trust the future, both the short term and the long term, and leave that in the hands of God? On a daily basis, again, it's just this reminder of like, you know, God is in control. Um, and, you know, I have to be okay with uncertainty because if not, like, I'm going to drive my, I'm gonna drive myself crazy. Um, I tend to be the person that likes to make a plan or have a vision and then like execute according to that, like exactly to the T. But I think that both in my personal life and my professional life, I've, you know, ran into, I've encountered issues or I've encountered experiences where like, that's not possible. And just being able to let go is so big. So I would say that, you know, for anyone who, who's young and, and new in engineering or even in their careers or in service or both, right, like to just be able to let go or even if you're not there yet to just work on that and be patient with yourself because, you know, I'm not going to get it right every day. There are going to be hard days for me, but I'm patient with myself and compassionate with myself the way that Christ is with each of us. Thank you so much for that message. Honestly, thank you. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Now we're at the fun part. So your favorite food? Cheese. <laughs> favorite color? Purple. Are you a fashion fan? And if so, like leather or denim? Yeah, I, I like fashion. I'm not, I guess I'm not too crazy about it, but I, I definitely um, prefer denim. <laughs> Fave place in the world? For me, it's the beach. I just love being at the beach and like, you know, where, wherever it is. Um, You know, I, I've been able to to travel a bit and see beaches, you know, across different continents, so different, you know, parts of even the United States. And it's like, it's all very different in some ways, but there's like also like this kind of common thread of like, like the sand and the waves and like the, the fact that like the wave come and then they'll recede. And it's, I think it's very calming for me to, to be there. And like, I'm that person that's always like every summer, I'm like, let's plan a beach trip with my friends. Like, 
<laughs> like every week, <laughs> right? Because I, I just really do like being there and feel very much at peace. Have you visited beaches in Egypt? Yes, I have. I went to the Red Sea. I also went to one of the beaches on the Mediterranean Sea. I think it's called Marsamatru. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that was that was fun. Um, yeah, but it was it was many years ago. Favorite Bible verse? Yeah, so my favorite verse is Jeremiah thirty three verse three, which says, "Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know." And in this verse, this is God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. And I learned this verse actually when I was in preschool. I went to a Christian preschool or, or day school as a three. Uh, year old and a four year old and we had to like memorize different verses um from the bible every week and i had like all of them i think like printed out on like a paper like it'd be like printed out like really big you know there's a verse that's like maybe 15 words long on a piece of paper and like i had them all like hanging in my room and like for some reason this one stuck with me and i don't really know what it was at the time but i think as i grew up i like appreciated that verse because you know the first part says call to me and I will answer you. Like knowing that if I pray and if I I am speaking to God, he will answer, not on my terms, but on his terms. And I think the second part of the verse also speaks about like what I said earlier, this idea of uncertainty and what my relationship is to it. He says, I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And it's like, we have to acknowledge that there's uncertainty. He says, which you do not know. And like, that's okay. Because those things that I do not know, he says, they are great and mighty. And that God will reveal everything in due time. And it's going to be like beyond what I could have imagined, better than what I could have imagined. Favorite saint or intercessor? My favorite saint is St. Anthony, um, you know, one of the desert fathers, the father of monasticism. You know, there's so much to learn from his sayings and in his life. Um, I really enjoyed the book, The Life of uh, St. Anthony by St. Athanasius. Three things you do on a rainy day. So I'm a big um, like tea or coffee person like I just love to be like cozy and like I'm also like a mug person <laughs> so I'll definitely like you know kind of sit um you know with a book and and like read um you know with my like tea or coffee in hand another thing that I do in a rainy day is journaling and then the third thing is baking or cooking I definitely enjoy that a lot cool yeah <laughs> we have things in common like that yeah um favorite music singer album song I don't know if I have a favorite like singer or band but I like the alternative and indie rock genre i guess a couple artists that i've been like you know cycling through one is george ezra and then one is called same motel favorite movie or book or both so favorite movie is easier <laughs> um, my favorite movie is the breakfast club oh um, cool yeah a little little older um but i think it speaks to me on like a lot of levels <laughs> like i think on you know what one way was just this idea of like the, the characters like going in like they're these like labels and by the end of the movie it's like you're seeing like okay but there's more to them than just these like labels or these preconceived notions and for me I think that was really big because you know I've experienced that whether it's like the label of like oh you're a girl um or you're you know the daughter of a priest like we talked about before right but it's like there's more to people than meets the eye if you couldn't pursue engineering what would you pursue I think I would do travel photography no way <laughs> yeah no it's it's um pretty fun like like I said I've gotten the the privilege or the blessing to travel a little bit um you know not I'm definitely not a professional but I think that would be something I would like maybe um pursue like more seriously you know if I, if I wasn't engineering <laughs> yeah thank you so much for your answers for sharing for being really open uh, I really appreciate it for your generosity and your time <laughs> thank you oh no I, I'm, I'm really happy to do this and happy to share my experiences thank you again for having me on the podcast may God bless you and, and reward you for all your work and your service thank you you too we hope you liked this episode and if you did please write a comment send us your feedback share it and follow the about us podcast on instagram and follow our guests thank you so much for your support and see you next time